the key on the ability. Oh. You just heard an audible, oh, don't worry, it was just my kids. Okay, um, we will have a strong word of conversation later. Uh, no, okay, all right, so uh, Philippians 3, uh, 10 and 11, we've been praying this as we've been going through the book of John, uh, and so we're just going to pray this again. And it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raises him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that in one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. You can be seated. And so we're going to continue on uh, the book of John, uh, and we're going to be dealing with uh, Dealing with, looking at uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Uh, and we're going to divide it up into smaller sections today. And I want to start with uh, verses 1 through 3. And uh, it reads like this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so... What I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always, or you will always be with me where I am. And so, as we as we look at this, let's let's rewind just a little bit to chapter 13, where we see that they're having this the Last Supper, and we see that Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples, and he comes to this particularly um, rowdy disciple. Uh, by the name of Peter. Peter says, you're not washing my feet. And then Jesus says, well, if I can't wash your feet, give me part of what I'm doing. And, G and then Peter's like, wash all of me. You know, and he does this. And, and then we have Judas who, you know, he's going uh, to fall into this or be absorbed by this evil that's going on in him. He's going to betray Jesus. And then Peter uh, is questioning, like, you know, like, who would do that? And uh, and then, uh, and then Jesus looks at him and says, "Well, I tell you what, you're going to do it. You're actually going to betray me, uh, you know. And before the uh, rooster crows three times, you'll have betrayed me." And Jesus is like, or Peter's like, "What? What are you talking about? I would never do that, right?" And, and so Jesus is still is still talking here to the eleven disciples because Judas is already out of the picture right now, going off and doing his thing. And he, and he says these words here, you know, there's more than enough room in my father's house. And so I just want to reiterate that with the first takeaway is this. There's plenty of room in the father's house. See, I love how um, C.S. Lewis puts it in one of his books that, you know, we, we might be surprised who we see in heaven. Because for sure, we thought they weren't going to be there. We knew they were going to be there, but them, God, like you let them in? I wouldn't have if I was God. He's probably like, yeah, I know. That's why you're not God. And and so but we'll, we might be pleasantly surprised. We might be shocked in some situations who we see in eternity. But here is the situation that Jesus has gone away. He is away now. He has sent the, uh, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who empowers us to do the work of the church right now. And so he's preparing this place. And what does this look like? I mean, it's got to be good, right? 
I mean, the creator of all things, if you guys have gone outside any or journeyed up into, let's say, northern Georgia, or maybe you're a beach person, so you've gone to the Panhandle, you've gone to Pensacola, you've gone down to Bermuda, whatever is your jam, right? So you're either at the top of this mountain looking over this, you know, multicolored in the fall leaves, um, and you're thinking, God created this. This is on earth. What's it going to look like, you know, when heaven and earth come together? Right? And you know what my first thought is? Wouldn't anything look so much better without power lines? That's just my first thought. It's a practical thought, and I get it, but I'm like, when I go down the street, I'm like, this is ugly. Like, is there any way I can do that underground? Like, okay. So, anyways, he's creating this place for us, and it's, it's going to be beautiful. And Romans 8, I want to look at that real quick. It's not going to pop up on the Air Bible. Um, and so I want you, what you can do is look at it later if you'd like to. Um, but in, in verses uh, 18 and then and going on, it says this. Um, it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all of creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. That's exciting. I don't know about you guys. If you're excited about that, if we look in the last book of the Bible, if we look in Revelation uh, 21, uh, check this out. It says this. Uh, this is John the Revelator speaking. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth from the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride, uh, beautifully dressed uh, for her husband. And so here's what it is. God is coming to dwell with us, dwell among us. And you might think, well, okay, and some of us might have this older I don't know if it's older, but like maybe cartoon view of heaven that we've talked about before, right? Cupid, he's up there. You've got the nice loincloth on. You have a bow and arrow. I don't know why you have that, but you do in heaven. You have wings, okay? Um, all these things, you're like, is that? I don't know if I want to go. That's creepy, okay? And so what we have in reality is this, that when we pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, that you're kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the reality of this, that, that as followers of Christ, all right, we get to see heaven come to earth. All right, well, what does that look like? Well, I told you last week, you know, I sprained my ankle, I'm hobbling around here at the church, I'm practicing guitar parts last week, and I'm hobbling down to my office, and, and then I say, hey, Drew, my son, one of my sons, I say, Pray for my ankle. He prays for it. Nothing changes. All right? I'm like, thanks for that prayer. No. And so I'm like, we get home. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my ankle is better. After I run up the stairs, I realize, like, oh, this is good. This is good stuff. What does heaven look like when it comes to earth? I think that's one of the practical ways that we see stuff like this happen. Have you ever been provided for out of the blue. You're in a financial crunch, and then all of a sudden, this money shows up, and you're like, where did that come from? 
Or you've been out and you've been, someone stopped and helped you and your car's broken down and someone helped you. Oh, it was just a coincidence that they helped. I just don't believe that. I believe that God is looking after us. And you might retort and I agree with you. And you may, well, what happens? Why do why bad things happen to good people? It's because we live in this fallen world that this, this tension is, there's this now and not yet. There's, there's good people that I've known that have passed away. And you're like, why? Like, why did that happen? And it's that living and that tension of the not knowing and the not fully understanding. But it says, you know, when, when these things are restored, that there will be no more weeping. There will be more, no more tears because we'll be in the presence of God. God will come to live among us. And the glory of God is there. So there's plenty of room in the Father's house. And what, is, what does this look like, though? What we can say is because there's plenty of room, just everybody's going to come in. And here's what I want to say in these next verses. Is John 14, 4 through 7 says this. And I love this. Because I love really the next set of verses. But, and, and you know the, the way to where I am going. Uh, this is great. Thomas. He says, no, we don't, Lord. Uh, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Don't you love the brutal honesty of Thomas there? I mean, Jesus makes a statement, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas looks sideways, maybe the dog face, you know, the, eh, okay, like, no, we don't. Uh, I have no idea where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is from now on. You do know him and have seen him. The second takeaway is this. Exclusive, inclusive. What? Does that mean? Well, Jesus brings relief to his followers and to us by telling his followers plainly that he is the only way to the Father. And this is a truth that cannot be glazed over. It cannot be overlooked. This is a truth that really must drive the entirety of our lives. We may hear different things. There's multiple ways to God. There are, you know, there's this avenue around. No, I'm going to tell you, Jesus says, and I'm just, just psycho enough to believe the word of God, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that seems fairly exclusive, but there's room enough for everyone. What he's doing here is he's solidifying the passage before. He's saying, listen, I'm preparing a place. There's room enough in my father's house. It's a grand house. But here's what you have to do. You have to choose me. You have to choose me. Well, what about people that have never heard of God? What do we, what do, we do with that, Andy? What about them? What about them? Are, they gonna, are we going to see them in eternity? Let me tell you something. God is full of grace and mercy. All right? He will make a way where there is no way. But here's what I want us to be driven by is those, those obscure questions, which are good questions. I'm not knocking those questions, but here's what I'm saying. What are we doing right now in our city, in our community, to make Jesus known? What are we, that should drive us, wow, if Jesus is the only way to the Father, 
Wow. Okay, that is not something that I can look over. Uh, this statement may bother people, and it does bother people today. It's been bothering people for 2,000 years, all right? And so here's what it is, though. It's the reality of the, of the gospel is this, that Jesus is alive, he's on the throne, and he's the only way to the Father. And that's why they call the good news of Jesus Christ. Because he is the way, the truth, and life. Where we don't want to have death, we can have life in Jesus. And maybe you've experienced that yourself. How many of you are walking life out perfectly right now? Anybody in the room? Okay. <sighs> Once again, my kids. Uh, to, no, you're not. Okay, um, so neither am I. Okay, so here's the deal. I will not mention the name of the child who raised her hand with belly. Okay, so here is the deal. Um, we are in a relationship with Jesus. Amen. This should be something that really pushes our navigation of what we do, what we say. Now, how many of you guys have fallen short where you're like, oh, and I screwed that up? How many of you guys have done that? I mean, like, how many times? How many of you do that multiple times this week? Now we're getting some honesty. All right, here we go. I, there's a guy in the back, a good friend. He just scratched his eye. I think it was a raise in his hand, though. I think it was. So, and so um, the deal is this. Like, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? And, and this side of heaven, guess what? We're going to continue to. So here's what I would say to you. Press on to the things that God has you to do. Do not become discouraged, okay? Now, don't dismiss those things and say, oh, that's just the way I am. No, we want to press toward Jesus. We want to say, God, would you correct that in my heart? Make, that, make me more like you. But there's choices that have to be made. And we've talked about this before. I think I've said this before. Just because you want to study for a biology exam doesn't mean that you sleep on the biology book and you hope that something changes. The same that happens with the Bible. There's action that takes place. I want to be more like Jesus, so I'm going to do the things that Jesus did. And when I don't do the things that Jesus did, Jesus is gracious enough that I can come to him and say, God, would you just forgive me for that? I recognize where I've fallen short. Would you forgive me and help me with that? We get caught up in this thing where we, like, we have to be perfect. It, he's not calling you to be this perfect being. He knows where you have fallen short. And here's what we have to recognize, just like we talked about last week, is in my weakness, you are strong. Recognizing how weak we are, recognizing how strong he is, he is the one that bears the burden, but we have a choice to make to follow him. John 14, 8 says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Now these are guys that have walked with him continuously for three years. They have seen Blind eyes open. They have seen people raised from the dead. They have seen all these healings take place. They have seen demons exercise. And here's what he says. Philip says, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replies, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I speak are not my own. My Father who lives in me does this work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least 
believe because of the work you have seen me do. Third takeaway, God can be seen. God can be seen. The third and the fourth takeaway work together here, and I just want to encourage you this morning that God can still be seen this morning in this place. When we look at the majority of humanity, what pushes people to do good? I was just thinking about this. What pushes people to do good? Oh, it's just a force out there. What? Okay. What compels a person to stop and help another person? Believer or unbeliever, what is compelling this person to help another person? Do you ever think about that? Like, you have the thought, oh, this person can't pay for their groceries, but I have a surplus of money here, and you know, I'm just going to pay for it. What? Did a fairy do that? Sprinkle that into your brain? Right? Think about that. And then we have this idea, which we took from last chapter, is this, we can either follow Jesus, or we can follow follow the enemy. Look at Judas's life. He gets, he gets engulfed in the darkness. He gets engulfed in the evil. So we have a choice to make here. I've always wondered that, like, what is it that drives us to do right? And I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about doing right. I, I would guess that many people in this room you're not going to leave here today and you've already determined that you're going to do something crazy. Probably a great minority. Right? But I bet the vast majority of you would be open to doing something nice. Maybe open a door for somebody. Uh, maybe you see somebody in a wheelchair and you want to help them out. Or you see somebody that's down on their luck. And I just would propose that maybe, just maybe, that's the Spirit of God that is pushing you to do that. I love this passage here. It is so compelling to me and so interesting. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this out of the NLT. Again, won't be able to hear that. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. This is the part that, that I love here. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's word from beginning to end. That phrase, he has planted eternity in the human heart. That is awesome. God has planted eternity within us. There's a hunger, there's a longing for, and here's what I love most about God, is He gives us a choice to follow Him or not follow Him. God can be seen. And the fourth takeaway is really simple, is this, Christ's followers continue His ministry. This is what we're called to do. In John 14, 12 through 14, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now here's what we want to do. Calm down. 
couple of you, probably under 15, under 16. Is that really in the Bible? Anything? I'm going to get a scratch off today. God, could you? Okay? Here is the deal. Ask anything in my name. As we submit our lives to Christ, the things that we'll begin to ask for are the things that we recognize that He wants to do in our lives and in us and around us. I used to take this and be like, man, I can get a Porsche. <laughs> I haven't gotten that yet. So I don't think it's lining up with God's will. All right? And so here it is. We can do anything. You will do the works I've done and even greater works. What does he mean? What's greater than raising someone from the dead? Could it possibly mean that it's geographically greater that across the entirety of the earth that Jesus' name would be known, that the works that he does would be known and seen? Not that they stopped a long time ago. Like, oh, miracles and all that stuff. That's for back in the day. That is not for now. I don't know if Jesus does that, okay? It's funny because we have this Western mentality of intelligence. Like, we have to be intellectuals in order to understand God because he's an intellectual. And I'm sharp to talk like this. Sean Connery. It makes me sound more intellectual or highly stupid. And either way, I don't know where you're at. But, but here's the deal. Uh, intellectual. Great. I would love for you to know theology backwards and forwards. It's awesome. You have doctrines that you want to stick by. That's amazing. Is your life a reflection of Jesus? Is your life a reflection of Jesus? Because we get to continue the work that he's doing. We get to continue to do it. And we have this Western mindset where, oh, well, you know, if God wants to do something, then I, I guess he can. Um, but, you know, it doesn't logically make sense that he would still be doing that today. Okay, why? When literally all over the world, there are miracles that are happening God is taking people who, um, you know, are, are uh, Islamic, they're Muslims, and he, Jesus is showing up to them and causing conversion in their life where we're seeing people's uh, limbs, you know, be made new, where we're seeing people's uh, lives being radically changed for Jesus uh, everywhere and in America, but, you know, we're like kind of like, oh, I don't know, all right? Doesn't seem doesn't it seem a bit illogical, or it seems a little bit old school. That's a little you know medieval stuff there. I just want to say that God is doing things today, That's right. and in and among us. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if if we if we had a little bit of a change. And I, I believe me, I'm not a name claim person, but I, I do believe this. There's there's faith involved, and we're saying, God, would you just come and do a willingness involved? Even I mean, let's be honest. Have you guys ever prayed for somebody with so little faith? It's not even funny. Like, you walked in, and you're like, I know you're not going to do this, God, but I'm just going to go through the motions. Anyone? Then with me on that. All right, and then something happens, and you're like, okay. Or maybe you're just praying for people. God, you know, and, and something happens. And yes, yeah, experience it even this week that we're praying for people, and this it doesn't happen. You know, we're praying for a miracle, that miracle doesn't happen. Again, it's that tension of walking in the now and not yet. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's what we want. We're on a mission to do the things that Jesus has to do. And here's what I'd love to say. Jesus never sought 
fame or fortune. He sought to do the Father's will. And I just wonder if we would if we would do the same thing. We just want to do what we see the Father saying. We want to, we want to say we want to say what we hear the Father saying. We want to do what we see the Father doing. And that's what we want to do. You know, I was thinking about uh, and we talked about this in our uh, elders meeting, elders board meeting uh, the other the other night, and we just came we come to this conclusion that you know we don't we don't want to do a lot of things. Like I don't want a lot of programs. I don't desire them. I don't have time raising. Jen and I are raising six kids. I'm about to start a master's degree. Uh, these aren't excuses. This is just the reality of life where we're at. And so, what what can we do? And what can we do well? Well, we can do small groups well, and we can reach out to the Medela community like super well. Well, Andy, what about all these like sports programs, and then we can just draw people? Like I just don't feel like that's what we're supposed to do. But what if we did the things that we're called to do and did them well? Like we leaned into the Medellin community. Right? Um, like we leaned into small groups. We leaned into getting to know one another and Jesus. And, 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 and as a result of that, we start to impact lives around us where we work. You know, because I'm being sharpened by you, that I'm, I'm going to work, I'm going out in the community, my life has changed. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is coming and interacting in those situations, and I'm, I'm starting to see Jesus move. The other day, I was at the, um, I dare, I, I'm almost not going to say this out of embarrassment, and people laughing at me, but I was at the pickleball court, and, um, and, um, since I got my twisted ankle and it was healed, and I was like, this guy twisted his ankle out there. And I was like, dude. You know, Drew was there. I was like, let's go pray for this guy. Well, this other person was there, and she was like, are you serious? No, I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's a believer or not. She's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And she goes, yeah. Let's go do it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we walked over there and I said, hey, you know, and she got your ankle sprain there. And I said, you mind if we pray for you? And uh, he's like, actually, it feels, it feels better now. So we didn't get a chance to pray for him, but I was like, it was funny to me, like the willingness of this lady. I don't know if she's a Christ follower or not, but she's like, yeah, I'm going to pray for him. And I'm like, oh, now there's a question. Could God use someone? <coughs> not yet following him to yes. Yes, pray for people. And I'm just saying, like, yeah, we're doing it in Jesus' name. Like, you know, he said, hey, listen, don't, Jesus said this, don't stop them from doing that stuff. If they're doing it in my name, they're good. And here's what I want to say about the intellectual side of things. We think that we have to have all the answers before we can do the stuff. We don't. We think we have to have our, our theology just right before we can go out and we can pray for people. Well, what if nothing happens the first time? The first 10 times? The first 20 times? I just, just ask you this. Would you be willing to do it over and over again? And I believe that's what we're, we're called to do. And we're, we're called to interact in the name of Jesus over and over. And I really believe that's what we're doing. 
in our community. I believe that's what we're doing at the elementary school is we're interacting in the name of Jesus over and over again. It's cool if somebody shows up one time and they have a great event and this goes on. It's way cool if people show up like a hundred times in the name of Jesus. And so that's what I want to encourage us to do is this, that, that we are going to keep leaning into our community. We're going to keep leaning into one another and we're going to continue to know Jesus more. We're going to see him revealed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you would stand with me. Okay. So I know there's some people here that need prayer for some things that are going on. Trevor, you, you guys are going through. I mean, you're like four feet away. All right. Um, and so... Uh, if you need prayer for something, they're going to be up here, right? Um, but if, why don't we just take a second? Let's say by the Holy Spirit. Just going to come. We would. And so, guys, pray that you would come in this place. into a relationship with you. And so I just pray now, Holy Spirit, would you just come and move among us? pray this week uh, that we would choose to follow you in the things that you are leading us to do. Jesus is calling you.